So in this verses, Lord Krishna described how God himself becomes a transmigrating soul because of ignorance. So what is the self is none other than Brahman, none other than God. But on account of ignorance, which brings about an identification with this body-mind complex, therefore there is this complex that I am an individual being, that creates in me a sense of individuality, a smallness, limitedness, insecurity, fear, whatever, all of this is created, all of this is a product of ignorance. <coughs> but on account of that, he struggles in this life, continues in one life, after, one embodiment after the other, and this is how the transmigration goes on. Manasasthani, <coughs> Lord Krishna said that this one who looks upon himself as an amsha, as a part of Lord, who looks upon as a little spark of consciousness, who looks upon himself as a helpless, helpless creature, as an insignificant being, is in fact Sanatanaha is eternal, is limitless, is complete, is nothing other than myself. So by using the word Sanatanaha along with Amsha, Amsha means a part, and Sanatanaha, Sanatanaha means eternal, the part cannot be eternal. So one of the two cannot be right, and therefore it is as though a part. <coughs> Just in order to ex- explain our sense of feeling smallness. So this is what Vedanta does, it explains our experiences rather than simply discarding that or telling me that you are limitless because then how do I feel small? If I am limitless then what's the reason why I feel a sense of smallness? If I am ananda or the nature of happiness, why do I feel sad? If I am sat or existence, why do I feel mortal? So those feelings are also to be explained and that is they are mithya. So mithya is that which appears to be there even though it's not there. 
There is no mortality as far as self is concerned and still I feel mortal. And there is no smallness as far as self is concerned and still I feel small. There is no unhappiness or sadness as far as small self is concerned and still I feel that all of this is what we call the notions arising out of identification. Taking the non-self to be myself. Taking the body to be myself. And therefore, body is mortal, I feel mortal. Taking the mind to be myself. Mind is very small, little equipment, therefore I sense, feel a sense of littleness. Taking intellect to be myself, there is ignorance in intellect, I look upon myself as ignorant. <coughs> and I suffer from that and strive constantly to become free from that. And that is how I perform variety of actions. They bring about results, which in experience which I take another embodiment. The same struggle continues. <coughs> he, he, he takes up this body. He brings all the baggage from the past, birth into this body also. That means he brings the subtle body along with all his memories, means experience, not memories, but all the samskaras, the impressions. Whatever emotional growth or otherwise had, was there, all of that he brings with him. All his likes and dislikes, everything is bringing with him himself here and continues with that. Srutram chakshuhu sparshanam cha rasanam ghranam cha He gains experience of various objects in this world with the help of the organs of perception of the mind. And it is he alone. So one who is a doer, one who is an enjoyer, one who is mortal, one who is... That is none other than Brahman. Vimudaha nanupashyanti. Even so is so close at hand. Even Brahman is my very nature. That is one who is talking right now. One who is listening. One who is walking. One who is talking. One who is experiencing. One who is doing. One who is happy, unhappy. All of that is nothing but Brahman. So when I say that I am happy, that I am, that is Brahman. And happy, that's the nature of the mind. I am unhappy, again I am, is Brahman. Unhappy is the mind. I am tall, I am, is Brahman. Tall is the body. I am successful, I am, is Brahman. Successful is the ego. And thus, on account of identifying with the various aspects of my personality, all these variety of complexes are born in me. And each one of the complex shows lumping together of two things, Atma and Anatma, Self and Non-Self, and both these are lumped together, Vimudhaha. So those who are ignorant and therefore variously deluded, they do not realize that this Aviveka or non-discrimination or lumping is taking place and therefore they take it to be one entity. Pashyanti, Jnana Chakshusaha. On the other hand, those who have the viveka of the discrimination, they recognize that, wait a minute, when I say that I am a man, what is very, what, man or tall or short, all of these are attributes of the body. And body is drishya, body is something that is an object of knowledge, something that is object of awareness. And the I who is aware of the body is different from the body. I who is aware of the mind is different from the mind. And therefore, all this birth and death and, and doing and enjoying, all of these belongs to non-self. I am the one who is ever untouched by this. Even though doing is taking place, I do not do anything. Even though enjoying, experiencing is taking place, I am just a witness. I am uninvolved witness. In my presence all the activities take place, but I do not perform any activities. Pashyanti Jnana Chakshusaha Those who are, who, who have, who have developed the eye of knowledge, they see this. For that of course, it requires an effort. Yatanto Yoginasthenam The yogis, who are yatantaha, striving, very diligent. That means those who have cultivated the right qualities of the mind. <coughs> At least my mind must become relatively happy for me to recognize that I am happiness. My mind must enjoy relative purity in order for me to recognize that I am pure. My mind must enjoy essential freedom for me to recognize that I am free. So the absolute freedom that I am requires a mind that enjoys a relative freedom. A mind that is sad can never recognize that the self is, that I am happy. 
I who is totally an emotionally dependent entity, emotionally helpless being, cannot recognize myself to be a free person. And therefore, preparation is required. That's called preparedness. To, to acquire through a right way of living, through right way of living, intelligent way of living, based on the right values of life, a right understanding of life. All the values are based on this fundamental fact that I am what I am seeking. All of these are scriptures teach us what to call vairagya or dispassion. All of this arises only from an understanding of this fact that what I am seeking is to be discovered from within myself and not without myself. That there are two kinds of things that I am seeking in my life. One is the requirements of this body, requirements of the matter, for which of course I am dependent upon the material world. But then there are other requirements, that's the spirit requirement of the spirit. This freedom is the requirement of the spirit. The happiness is also a requirement of the spirit. The sadness is a problem of the spirit and not of the matter. It's not that the body is sad. Even mind, all of it is self that is sad. So sadness is a problem that is centered on the spirit and therefore it calls for a spiritual solution, not a material solution. Although today when I feel sad, I always go for a material solution. I go for movies. When I'm not feeling, you know, not feeling, I'm not in a good mood, well, I, I go for a slice of pizza, something like that. Which means today, I am seeking or I am resorting to what we call material solutions for a problem that is centered on the spirit. So, jnana chakshusha, the vivekinaha, those who have the discrimination, so they recognize the two kinds of problems are there, there are problems in our life that are centered on matter, there are other problems that are centered on the spirit. The problem centered on matter requires solution material resources. The problem centered upon the spirit require, of course, the spiritual development. So, yatandaha, those who are striving, those who are committed to a life of spiritual growth and inner growth. And what's the means of inner growth? A life lived on the values. A life that reflects the devotion. A life that reflects the acceptance and understanding of God. And life, therefore, based on that understanding, a life in which there is more and more of Ishwara or God and less and less of ego. That is called yoginaha. That is called the yogis, the diligent yogis, who are constantly striving to bring in God in their life with understanding of the reality that everything is God. And what I call the ego is really just a notion, it's a false entity. So this is how they gain that preparedness of the mind and when they expose themselves to this teaching, then they understand. There are others who also strive and they also listen to scripture. They also do everything that other people are doing and still they do not understand because the preparation is not there. So one uh, teacher writes here, one commentator, that those in whose hearts anger and lust and these things are filled in, outwardly it may look all calm, but inwardly when all this stuff is there, so long this knowledge doesn't take place. Never. In Swami's language, whatever unconscious and all that stuff is there needs to be resolved, because it comes up again and again has to be resolved with the help of Vedanta. So that means, as Lord Krishna would say, Kama, Krodha, Loha. Kama is, is this craving, Krodha is anger, Loba is greed. So these are the things that actually are the obstacles. And I have to recognize them and resolve them, deal with them. Make my mind essentially free from those impurities. And they see. So that also is an effort that is required. Along with the effort of listening to scriptures and studying the scriptures and everything, this effort also is required wherein I constantly strive for the purification of my mind. <coughs> All this Lord Krishna said, He said that, look, who am I? I am of the nature of consciousness, awareness, light, intelligence. I am that dhama, I am that jyotihi, I am that very light. Knowing which there is nothing more to be known, nothing more to be done. It's I alone on account of ignorance becomes this jiva, becomes an individual and then transmigrates. So what's the purpose of life, Swami? That's the purpose. 
What's the purpose? Is first of all to purify my mind and secondly to know myself. And therefore that same Brahman of the Self is now further described in the four verses by Lord Krishna. So in the next four verses Lord Krishna describes his vibhuti or glories. Says how I am everything. I pervade everything. I am the self of everything. And not only that, but all the vyavahara, all the transactions that take place in the world, any kind of an interaction or transaction that take place in the world are all because of me. Without me, there could be nothing. Without me, there will be no activity. I am the self of all and it is because of me that all the activities are possible. And thus revealing his nature to be all pervasive, to be the self of all, Aham Krishnasya Jagadaha Prabhavaha Pralayastatha Aham He says, I am the one that is the self of all. Aham Sarvasya Prabhavaha Matasaram Prabhavatate I am the source of everything, origin of everything, cause of everything and all activities are due to me. So wherever you see any activity, understand that that is the source of all that activity is, is prompted by Lord Krishna says, I, the self or Brahma. And so in next four verses, Lord Krishna describes how he is the self of all and how all the activities take place on account of himself. So let us read the twelfth verse. Yada Dityagatan Tejaha Yada Dityagatan Tejaha Jagad Mahasayate Khilam Jagad Mahasayate Khilam Yachandramasi Yachagnao Yachandramasi Yachagnao Tattejo Vidhimamakam Tattejo Vidhimamakam Yet Aditya Gadam Tejaha Aditya Gadam, that which is in the sun Yet Aditya Gadam Tejaha the light that is in the sun. Jagat bhasayade akhilam. Yat tejaha akhilam jagat bhasayade. That light in the sun that illumines the whole world. Yat chandramasi. And also the light which is in the moon. Yat chagnav. And again the light which is in the fire. So again and again we find the mention of these three luminaries. The sun and the moon and the fire. They stand for all the other luminaries. Sometimes also mention the stars, sometimes I mention the lightning. All of these. Any all that all these luminaries that illumine this whole world. Tattejo Vidhimamakam. Hey Arjuna, understand that that is my light. I who is consciousness, I who is awareness, or I who is intelligence, it is my light of consciousness because of which the sun and the moon and the fire are able to illumine the whole world. The sun during the day, the moon during the night, and fire when sun and moon are not there. Or you can say that, I am the one who manifests the sun and the moon and the fire, and I illumine the whole world. And interpreting that verse with reference to individual context, we say in the morning, that sun is the presiding deity of the faculty of sight. The moon is the presiding deity of the faculty that is mind and fire is the presiding deity of the faculty of speech. So Lord Krishna says that the eyes are able to illumine. So I, all of these also illumine the respective objects. The eyes and other organs of perception illumine the various objects. The eyes illumine what we call the form and color. The faculty of hearing illumines what we call the sound. The faculty of touch illumines the touch. The faculty of smell illumines all the smell. The faculty of taste illumines all the taste. Let's go illumination. Understand what is meant by illumination. We are talking about the light, not just this light, the light of the eyes, but even right now that you are able to hear these words. That hearing or listening is possible when the faculty of hearing illumines these words. It's called illuminating these words. words. When I eat something that I experience a taste, I can say that the faculty of taste illumines the taste. Thus my five organs of perception illumine the variety of objects of the world. Shabda, Sparsha, Rupa, Rasa, Gandha. Tattejo, Vidhimamagam, Lord Krishna says, understand, that is my light, that is my awareness. 
It is because of me that the eyes are able to eliminate the color and form. It is because of me the consciousness itself. So that's how both ways. By saying that the, the light in the sun and the moon and the fire is my light, Lord said, I am the cosmic being. And also by interpreting these luminaries as the luminaries obtaining our body, Lord said, I am the self. Because who illumines the eyes? The self. Who illumines my faculty of perception? The self. Speech. Fire stands for the speech. Lord Krishna says, I illumine the faculty of speech. Yad vacha anabhiritam yenavaga bhyudyate. So that by which the speech is illumined. Then the faculty of speech, the you know, is able to produce a sound, is able to produce a word, is able to illumine the words. Is all due to me. And the other organs of action like hands, legs, all of these also are able to perform their respective functions is because of the because of me. I am the source of all the energy. I am the source of all the knowledge. And Chandramas, the moon stands for the mind. Moon is presiding day to the mind. That mind functions. That because of which the mind is able to think. Lord Krishna says, is it because of me that the mind thinks? I am the light which enables the mind, which imparts consciousness to the mind, because of which mind will perform its function. I am the consciousness that imparts light to all the organs of perception, because of which they can perceive the respective objects. I am that light that imparts also the vitality all the, to all the organs of action, because of which they can perform their variety of functions. So you can meditate upon God in different ways. The reason why Lord Krishna describes his vibhuti as the glories is for us to meditate upon him. In dhyanam, at the level of God as myself, I can meditate. As I said, with reference to activities taking place, when I am talking, when I am seeing, when I am hearing, everywhere, pasyante, jnana, chakshushaya, each one of these actions, each one of these functions is possible only when God is there. Eyes can see when the eyes are illumined by the self, there is consciousness. The speech can talk or the words can be produced only when the self is there. In the form of that, that provides the vitality. And thus, I am the self of all the luminaries at the cosmic level. I am also the self of all the luminaries at the individual level. <coughs> then continuing in the thirteenth verse. Gama Vishyacha Bhutani Gama Vishyacha Bhutani Dharayam Yahamojasa Dharayam Yahamojasa Pushnami Chaushadhis Sarvaha Pushnami Chaushadhis Sarvaha Somo Bhutvarasatmakaha Somo Bhutvarasatmakaha Gam avishyacha and entering the earth. Bhutani dharayami ahamojasa. Aham dharayami I sustain. Bhutani the beings. Ojasa through my power. Lord Krishna says, and entering the earth, I sustain all the beings through my power. See, earth is well known as the one that sustains and supports everybody. Earth. So, that bears everything, supports everybody. If earth did not support us, then we would sink. And earth stands also for the whole universe. Everything in the universe, other planets are also there which support whatever it is in them. As best as we know, nothing else is there in any other planet. But anyway, who knows? So, entering in this universe, I support the entire universe. The idea is that I am the self of Prithvi also. So Lord Krishna declared himself the self of all the luminaries like sun and moon and fire and the lightning and the stars. That means I am the one that illumines everything in the whole universe. And I am the one that sustains everything, that supports everything. So Gam, Gam, Go means Prithvi, Go means earth. The word Go has many meanings and one of the meanings is Go means earth. And so, so, here Shankarajara says, if that, what is it that provides the earth? The firmness, because of which the earth is able to sustain or support all the beings. And what is that sustains the earth itself? 
How come the earth which is so heavy doesn't fall down? How come the earth actually, where all the particles are held together, that it just doesn't get scattered away? So what is it that keeps all the particles of clay or the earth together and thus provides a firmness so that it can support all the beings? What is it that holds us in its own position so that it doesn't fall down or fly away? What is that pro- keeps the earth from disintegrating into its little particles? What is it? There is some force. Lord Krishna says, that, that is what I am. Well, perhaps Newton may call it some different kind of a force. It, what is it that brings down the objects from, high, you know, from higher level to the earth? When they fall, it's, it's force of gravity. So that Lord Krishna says, all this force I am. So it is by my ojas, or by my power that I sustain the entire universe. So, yena dyauhu ugra prasavicha dradha says Vedas. So that because of which the earth is firm and that because of which the heavens, you know, heavens are mighty and heavens are shining. So heavens are mighty because of whom? The earth is firm because of whom? In short, whatever it is, it is because of whom? But here, Lord Krishna declares himself to Almighty, sustaining the whole universe. We see the Hercules you know, so supporting the whole universe. These concepts are there. For example, we say that the Ananda, the Shesha, let's say that's a cobra with 1000 heads, you know, he's sustaining the whole universe. Different ways it is explained. How the whole earth or the whole universe is sustained. Symbolically. Idea is that there is someone or something that sustains this thing, something that supports it. We don't see it, of course. Because the Swami is all this, you know, this is all old-fashioned stuff. You don't have to tell us this, that God supports all this. Where is God? It's all force of gravity that does it. No, whenever you talk of God, the youngsters have a lot of problems with that. There is some problem and they cannot accept God. What God? Where is He? It's, it's, all, it's all force of gravity that does it. So scientists believe that just because we can explain the world, therefore there is no need of God. They say that we don't need God. Because we can explain the world. We can explain all the whole universe by our laws of physics and by the, you know, mathematical equations. We can explain everything. So where is the need of God? But just because we can explain doesn't mean that God is not there. That you can explain shows there is God. And so how, how do you say that just because I can explain a certain phenomenon that there is no God? That the phenomenon is there, that it is explainable, that you have an intellect which can explain and that the intellect has the capacity to explain all of that comes from where? When we say that he is a light also, that illumines the mind, that mind also includes intellect and all the faculties that we have, as we stated subsequently in the, next, in the 15th verse. All of this shows that he, the God is. But anyway, here it is said, and uh, it's nicely, all of this is nicely explained in the Upanishad, Brahadarnika Upanishad, where Say Jagnavacha tells Gargi as to how this earth and the heavens and all of these are uh, held in their position by whose might. Yasya Prashasane Gargi Dhyava Prasivyo Vidrutav Tishthataha. So, Dhyava Prasivyo Vidrutav Tishthurya Chandramasav Vidrutav Tishthataha. Yasya Prashasane Gargi Dhyava Prasivyo Vidrutav Tishthataha. Hey Gargi. It is by whose might or the whose mighty rule that the earth and the heavens are held in their positions. The sun and moon are also held in their positions. Even if we say that it is the law of gravity, it's like the gravitational force. Or whatever force it is that holds them, in that force, Lord Krishna, I am that which holds everything together. So thus we find the whole universe, you know, interconnected. Whole universe functioning as an organic whole. Consisting of so many diverse components, millions and billions of galaxies and things like that, but all of them are functioning as one harmonious whole, one organic whole. Just as my body also consists of so many different limbs, each one of them is different. It is a different place, different name, different function, and millions and billions of these cells are there. All of these things are held together in one harmony. There is something which is what we call the self or the consciousness, how it holds everything together. Similarly also we find the whole universe is held together in one harmony. 
Lord Krishna says, that is my power because of which I hold the whole, I sustain the whole universe. And that the different elements of the universe have different capacities. That the earth is able to sustain everything. The water is able to wet everything. That the fire is able to burn everything. And that the air is able to dry everything. The space is able to accommodate everything. Even that capacity to all the elements who gives them. So that because of whom the space is able to accommodate. The fire is able to burn. The water is able to wet. The earth is able to sustain. Lord Krishna says, that, that energy or that fundamental power, I am. That's my glory. So that fundamental power by which I sustain the whole universe and because of which everything held, is held in its own place, that power or tejas, I am. <coughs> so thus again, he is describing how his Sarvatma, he is a self of all, he is all pervasive. That's what he is describing here. Then also this Pushnamicha Aushadihi Sarvaha Somo Bhutvara Satmakaha Pushnamicha Sarvaha Aushadihi and I nourish all the plants. Lord Krishna says, I nourish all the plants. Somo Bhutva by becoming Soma Rasatmakaha, which is the nature of the sap. Soma is a principle. Very often Soma is identified with the moon. So Soma is the principle of what we call rasa or the sap. The Oshadi is what we call the, the, the vegetables and plants. The whole kingdom, vegetable and plant kingdom is that which is sustained by the sap. And Lord Krishna says the sap which is there, the very essence which is there in the plants and the vegetables, that sap or essence is nothing but myself. Where did it come from? It came from the Soma, from the moon. So either Soma can be translated as moon, because in these scriptures often the moon is looked upon as a principle of water. So moon is looked upon as a principle of rasa or the sap. It is a repository of all the rasa or the sap. And Soma also means the repository of all the rasa. So Soma bhuta rasatmaka. Soma which of the nature of sap as Soma. I in fact nourish all the plants and vegetables. I become the sap and as the very sap or the very, very, very uh, essence, I become the plants, I become the vegetables. <coughs> that means I am the self of all the plant and vegetable kingdom also. I am the self of the earth and all those which sustain. I am the self of the sun and the moon and all the luminaries. <coughs> And what else are we? In short, that with all the plants and vegetables that we have is nothing but manifestation of Lord. So Lord says, I first become Soma. I manifest myself as Soma or the sap and through that I nourish all the plants and vegetables and thus I manifest as all the plants and vegetables. <coughs> and then further, in the 14th verse we are told, Aham Vaishwanaro Bhutva, Aham Vaishwanaro Bhutva, Praninan de Hamashitaha, Praninan de Hamashitaha, Prana Panasama Yuktaha, Prana Panasama Yuktaha, Pachamyanam Chatur Vidham, Pachamyanam Chatur Vidham. Aham Vaishwanara Bhutva, taking the form of Vaishwanara. Vaishwanara is this, uh, is this Udaragnahi udara or Jatharagnahi. The fire that is in Jathara or the stomach is called Vaishwanara. Ayamagnir Vaishwanara. There is fire in the stomach, that is what we call the digestive fire. And in the scriptures, often that sometimes that fire is referred to as Vaishwanara. So, I am the Vaishwanar, I am the digestive fire. So, as the digestive fire, as a sap, I nourish all the plants and vegetables and become the plant and vegetable kingdom. As the digestive fire, residing Sapraninam, Dehamasitaha, I am residing in the, in the stomach or the, the body of all the living beings, not only human beings, but every living being. Because we require fire in order to digest the food. All along is the fire that cooks the food. So Lord keeps on cooking the food for us. First of all, fire as a sun, he cooks the food in the fields. 
That's very important. And then the fire in the, in the stove, he cooks the food in the kitchen. And still the cooking is not complete. And then when we eat the food, as a fire in our stomach, he completes the cooking process. <coughs> so not only is the fire in the jatara or the stomach, he's a fire everywhere. But particularly Lord Krishna says, as a fire which is a digestive fire, I am the one that is in the bodies of all the living beings. And what do I do? Prana, pana, samayuktaha. In association, prana and apana. Prana is outgoing breath, apana is the incoming breath. So you can imagine, uh, our, our lungs are like the bellows, and constantly somebody is all the time pressing this bellows. And that's why this breathing process takes place. And that's the prana, apana. Prana, apana. See, where in the, when we were young, in our towns, these, these uh, iron smiths used to come. So iron smiths, they were like the vendors. So they would, they would go into, you know, into the streets and come to our, near our home with their little furnace and the bellows. And so then some work is to be done. For example, uh, you know, there are some iron thing that you want to get shaved and sharpened and whatever it is. So they will do that, you know, hammering and everything else. Right there, there's a furnace and there's a bellows. So fire always requires air, of course, in order to illumine and also in order to do its function, air is always required. So you require the bellows. So God has provided the bellows here in the form of these lungs. And that's the reason why the air keeps on coming and going, coming and going. Because there's fire in the stomach, that fire requires that air. And then alone the fire needs that oxygen. So the oxygen is goes in and that's how the fire remains illumined. And that is how it is able to cook the food or digest the food. Prana, pana, samayukta. In association prana and apana, pachami annam, Lord Krishna says, it is I who digests the food. <coughs> what kind of food? Chaturvidham. Four kinds of food. Four kinds of food is, it's interesting how the, the food is categorized as four kinds. Not in terms of types of food, like vegetarian, this, that. It's not that way. But four kinds of food is, is the kinds are determined with reference to the way we eat food. So one is called bhojyam. And so the food that we eat, masticate. You know, that's one way of eating food. Bhaksham, other thing is what we swallow without masticating. Sometimes people swallow even when they should masticate. That's a different matter. <laughs> When you go to South India and then they, you know, rice is something that they love. Of course they do masticating outside, you know, in the plate itself. They make sure that they, the rice is masticated right there. And they make a little nice little, but that process is faster. Doing it in the mouth is, it takes a little longer time. So here on the other hand, it's all done quickly. And they turn all them into more little rice balls. And then the speed with which they go, straight away, goes inside. You need not do anything with it, because it's all done outside. And I guess to help, they add some buttermilk and things like that. But then the food that we masticate, the food that we swallow. <coughs> it's another kind of food that we swallow. Chosyam, thing that we suck, like mangoes, etc. And lehyam, that which we lick, like honey. So we eat these four, in these four ways we eat. Certain things we lick, certain things we squeeze or, or suck, certain things we swallow, and certain things we masticate. This is the four kinds of food. And that's how all the creatures eat. I mean, dogs may be perhaps uh, sucking most of the things very often, you know. The cows have their own way of eating, but then all the creatures eat. But Lord Krishna says that I am the digestive fire in the stomach of all the living beings, not only human beings. So, all the creatures eat food in their own way, but then all of them perhaps can be classified in these four ways. And this is fourfold food that is eaten by different creatures. I digest them as a very digestive fire residing in the stomach in association with the prana and the apana. <coughs> so the question, uh, here it is said, if this is what we keep in mind. So that's how the world consists of two things, the bhokta and the bhojya, the experiencer and experienced the eater and the eater. 
So, what is the, the whole eaten world? What we eat is the food. Lord Krishna said, as Soma, I am the one that becomes your food. As Soma, which is of the nature of the sap, he becomes all the plants and vegetables, and that's how he becomes our food. And as Jatharagna digests to fire, he is the one that digests the food. He eats the food. So, eater also is himself, and then the food also is himself. Both ways. That is how one, uh, here Shankaraji explains, that while eating the food, if one keeps this in mind, or meditates upon this fact, that the eater, that I, the eater or the bhokta, bhokta or the eater of the food also is as prana, huh? so Lord is a prana, or Lord is agni rather, so Lord of the fire is the eater of the food, so agni, and Lord is soma is the, the, the eaten food, so eater and eaten, both of them are Lord alone, as prana or as, as agni is the eater, and as soma is the eaten. So that way what is the vyavahara that is going on at the time of eating? Nothing but the Lord in fact interacting with himself, because eater also is himself, eater also is him. If we do this, if this is how, that's the reason why we, we chant this verse before, the, before our meals, in order to, these verses, particularly these verses, this Pushnami, Aushadi, Chaushadi, Sarvaha, that one, and Vaishvanara Bhutva, because that says that the food also is God, and the one that eats the food and digests is also is God. And if that is kept in mind, then this becomes like a meditation. So if one meditates upon this truth, then, Anlalo Shalepo Nabhavati Shankarajari says, then all the, the blemishes or defects that may be there in the food, they do not affect us. Otherwise, when we eat the food, all the blemishes, all the defects that come in the food also are, you know, are also consumed. That's the reason why there are people who never eat elsewhere. They always eat food in their homes and never eat outside. And there are yet others who do not eat food cooked by anybody else, they insist upon cooking food themselves. That is because these various doshas or various blemishes are possible in the food. So Vedanta doesn't, does talk about the food. But there are other teachers who have in fact uh, given greater emphasis on the food because it is said in the Vedas, Ahara Sattva, Ahara Shuddha, Sattva Shuddhi. If the Ahara is Shuddha, if the food is pure, then the mind is pure. And Sattva Shuddha, Dhruvam Smutihi, Dhruva Smutihi. If the mind is pure, the knowledge also is gained. This purity of knowledge. Ahara. So very often the question is asked, Swamiji, does food have anything to do with our, our mind? Very much. Food has a lot to do with the mind. That's what the Upanishad also explains. In the Chandogya Upanishad, the famous dialogue between Sage Uddhalaka and his disciple son, Svetaketu, where Sage Uddhalaka demonstrates. Svandamayani Somya Manaha. Hey Somya, addressing his, his disciple and the son, says, hey, Svetaketu, the mind is that which is made of food. So that is explained. That the food that we eat, the grossest part of the food, it gets rejected. The middle part of the food that we eat, solid food that we eat, that goes into formation of flesh, etc. in our, our body. And the subtlest part of the food goes into nourishment of the mind. And that is why Food is very important because that is what it has a strong influence upon the mind. And that's how the food is also classified as sattvic food, rajas food and tamas food. So that's why this is sattvic food is what one should eat. And and seventeen chapter describes what is sattvic food, what is rajas food, what is tamas food. So how about meat? Tamas. How about onion and garlic? Also rajas and tamas. All food that are strong smelling and stinking, you know, all of these are foods that have a similar effect on the, upon the mind. So that's an important reason why we discourage people from eating meat. It's not, apart from scientific reasons, apart from reasons of the health, which of course are determined now that vegetarian food is healthier, but even from the spiritual reasons also, it is desirable that our food is as pure as possible and that it is of this nature. So one of the defects or blemishes that can be in the food is what we call jati dosha, the very kind of food. 
which can pollute our mind. Jati dosha. Sometimes whether you like it or not, sometimes even though you tell, you find ganyan and garlic in your food, you know, sometimes. Or you can avoid it and you do avoid. But all and there can be other things which we do not know what they are. So, so many things we don't even know. Swami, how about mushrooms? I don't know. You know, but then perhaps uh, the Smriti says mushroom also you should not eat. You know, whatever. But anyway, and in certain season you should not eat certain things and what not. I mean, the idea is in order to, uh, because the food is considered to have an important effect upon our personality. But this is called jati dosha. The very kind of food also can cause this, this blemish. Other is what we call uh, ashraya dosha. Who cooks food? Whether a person is pure or not. That's the reason why in the olden days a lot of precaution was taken. Well, where are those who are hanging up there someplace? Nobody can touch them. Children cannot touch them. You know, they can't reach there. Even their mother also could not reach. So they always used to have a stick with which she used to take out, you know. It's amazing and that's a certain technique. You know, how to hang these clothes with a stick? You must fold them in a certain way and then otherwise, I tried several times, it doesn't work. <laughs> but they would do it very well. You just fold it in some way, hold it in the stick and like that. So that the clothes are hanging there, nobody touches them. And before this cook, after the bath, she would put on those clothes and then cook food and we had no entrance. Even children did not have entrance to the kitchen. And unless you have taken bath etc. then you can come to this line, you know, not beyond that line. So this, this untouchability is not only outside, it was inside also. Just to maintain a certain sanctity about that. And also, so all of that is important whether the vessels are clean, whether that purity is maintained or not, what kind of vessels are there, aluminum, what is what, you know, all of that was important. And then who, when the, per, the person who cooks the food also has that purity or not, and what is the state of mind, that also is important. Person is sad and is angry and things like that, all of that stuff goes into food, so it is said. All ashray dosha, so that is also important. All of that, we don't know, all of that comes to us. When we eat in restaurants, who knows? Or when we eat in other places also, when we get food from outside, very often, you know, in India also, there are services, there are people who supply food, the tiffin box, tiffin carriers, and many people get. And so at one point, I was also getting, in, in the olden, earlier days. So one of the Swamiji's told me, he says, oh, you are doing this? You should not do that. He says, when the food in the tiffin carrier travels from that place to other, how many people see that? Even that is also important. Who is the person who sees that? What kind of shadows fall on that? What kind of places it touches? Who touches that? You know? Idea is that how sacred the thing is looked upon, that's what I'm saying. Whether we can do it or not is a different matter. That's the reason why they say some people just do not eat elsewhere. And some people even go to the extent of cooking food only by themselves. Ashraya dosha. And nimitta dosha. Third is, uh, what are the resources? What is the kind of money from which the food was bought? It was white or black or what it is, you know, all of that. So that is also important whether the money was earned by honest means or otherwise, because that also, so money with which the food is bought, that also has an influence of food. The person who cooks also has an influence. And the, the state of mind which is which prevails also has an influence. The kind of vessels and sanctity also has an influence. What kind of food it is, all of these have an influence. And therefore, the food that we eat will look very good. Outright Swami Vivekananda used to say, uh, he was describing after his first tour of United States when he came to India, and contrasting the concept of cleanliness that obtained in the East and West. So what kind of con- concept of cleanliness the Western people have and Eastern people have? He says, well, when you go to West, when you go to United States or a Western country, you are made to sit on a, a dining table, and there is a, uh, there is a tablecloth on dining table, that is spotlessly white and starched and there is a plate which also is very clean and there is a napkin which is also starched and clean and then the food is brought by a bearer who's, who's, who's you know, who's starched clothes and with, uh, you know, uh, 
And being in a flame is all very clean. Everything is wonderful. That fellow is well, well dressed and everything. And so this is the idea of the clean. If you go inside the kitchen, it's a different matter. If you see him cook, uh, you know, baking his bread, then he may be actually, uh, he may be, what do you call it, uh, the, the dough. So he may be uh, making the dough, he may be with his own feet, you know, he may be uh, uh, kneading it. How does he knead the dough? In those days, when they may not have the machines. And the perspiration, everything is all falling in there. That's okay. That doesn't matter. What matters is cleanliness outside. So, presentation is just wonderful. What is inside is a different matter. Come to India. And this woman makes sure that she has taken a bath and the clothes are also just washed and, and everything is, you know, as I just described. A lot of precaution taken as far as the inner cleanliness is concerned. But outwardly, those clothes may have, though washed, but it may have starts. The place where you eat also may not be clean. And the way and everything outwardly, there is no concern of cleanliness here in India, other than the East. Inward cleanliness, yes. Outward cleanliness, totally lacking. Here, outward cleanliness, yes. Inward cleanliness may be a different matter. And so, that is how all of this may be there. So, when you eat food, you do not know what is inside there. It may come, you know, the way it comes to you may be very presentable. All of these things are involved. And particularly for sannyasis or sadhus, they don't cook food. They always go out and bag bhiksha. Who knows, you know? Although that's the reason why they, there used to be a rule as to what are the kind of houses you go for your bhiksha. You just don't go by anywhere. Don't go any place. You choose. But anyway, all this fuss about food, I'm just saying that what is meant here is that if you keep in mind the fact that the one that eats the food is also lord in the form of the digestive fire, and the food itself also is a lord in the form of this sap and the vegetables and plants, then all these defects which may be there, one remains free from all of them. That is thinking about the God in this way. So how do you think about God all the time in different ways? That's the reason why in the Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna describes His glories in different ways. So how we can dwell upon Him? Just to think about one thing for the whole day is not possible. And therefore, a variety of things are presented where His glories are very, very evident. And then, in the 15th verse, Lord Krishna says, how is the self of all, and how because of Him, all the activities take place. Sarvasya chaham rudisan Sarvasya chaham rudisan nivishtaha Matasmrutir jnana mapohanancha Matasmrutir jnana mapohanancha Vedaishya sarvairahameva vedyaha Vedaishya sarvairahameva vedyaha Vedandakrit vedavideva chaham Vedandakrit vedavideva chaham And I am seated in the hearts of all. Meaning that I am seated in the hearts of all. I am the self of all the creatures. I am the self of all the... So Lord Krishna said, I am the self of all the luminaries, self of the earth, self of all the plants. He said, now it says, I am the self of all the living beings also seated in their heart and manifesting in their heart as a very I, I, as a very self. Mattaha smritihi jnanam apohanam cha. So up to this point, the reason why we chant this verse, Brahma, Param, Brahma, Havihi, also, has these verses in mind, this, that verse comes from the fourth chapter, Brahma, Param, Brahma, Havihi, Brahma, Agno, Brahma, Brahma Yavatena Gantavyam Brahma Karma Samadhina. So that describes the vision of a wise person as to how in the vision of the wise person everything is Brahman, everything is God. Because God alone is manifested everything. So with reference to what we call a yajna or a sacrificial, you know, a sacrificial ceremony, how the wise person sees the manifestation of God in everything. 
So as we know, when yajna takes place, of course there is a fire altar in the which the fire is lighted and we invoke the gods in that and make the offerings, offering of some material. It may be like ghee, it may be like whatever, you know, sukkar, milk and other materials. An offering usually is done with, with a spoon. So if there is this ghee or the clarified butter in one of these containers, then you take the spoon, that's called chamas, a wooden spoon with which you make the offering. So we recite a mantra and make the offering, swaha. So in this setup, that verse of the fourth chapter says, Brahmarpanam, that chamas or the spoon with which you are making an offering is nothing but Brahman, is nothing but manifestation of God. Brahmahavihi, that havish or the material that is offered also is Brahman. Brahmagnav, the agni of the fire into which the offering is made also is Brahman, is also God. Brahmanahutam, the one who performs this ritual also is Brahman. Sarvasyacaham rudhisannivishtaham. So these Lord Krishna described. So imagine that when we are eating food, this can be the very bhavana or the spirit that I am performing a yajna. So what is in yajna is that there is fire in which we take the material in a, in a spoon and then offer. Here also there is fire in our stomach and here also the plate, in the plate the food is there. So that is called the havish and arpanam. So normally with a spoon I offer that, here with a spoon of my fingers. So I take one bite and I offer that food which goes into the fire, to offer the fire. So thus this yajna is taking place even when we are eating food. And all the elements involved in the performance of yajna are also nothing but God. Because as we just read in these verses, the food which is the plate, which is havihi, is also Brahma, because he alone became that food. And the one, the fire to which the food is offered, or havi is offered also, is him, because he is Vaishwanaraha. And when we eat that food, that itself gets converted into energy, and from that our body is made, so even the fingers with which the food is eaten, also is nothing but manifestation of him. And the one who does all this, the one who is seated in my heart, my very self, who does all of this, this whole ceremony of eating food or performing the ritual, Sarvasyacaham Vudhisandivishtaha. I am the one that is seated in the hearts of all, who does everything. So, the one who performs this ceremony also is him. So, Brahma Arpanam. Arpanam is Brahman. Brahma Agna, the Agni also is Brahma. Brahma Havihi, the Havish food also is Brahma. Brahmanahutam, the one seated in the heart, Performing all of this also is Brahma. Brahma yivatena gantavyam, Brahma karma samadhina. So one who keeps this in mind, Brahma karma samadhi, one whose mind is absorbed in the appreciation of Brahman that takes place during this karma. So Brahman that is involved in performing this karma of the food or eating, so one whose mind is absorbed in that, Brahma yivatena gantavyam, he also reaches Brahma. And so, this verse is also beautifully explained how every aspect that is involved in eating food is nothing but Brahman or God. And so that we can keep that in mind while eating food, so that's why it forms also a prayer. At the same time, it becomes also an aid in meditation while eating the food. Then all this dosha which is there in the anna, one remains free from that all. <clears throat> and it no more just remains a simple act of eating food, but it becomes performing a, a ritual, performing a yaga, performing a worshipful action. Sarvasyacaham abhudhisannivishtaha mattaha, Lord Krishna says, from me alone, suratihi, the memory, jnanam, the knowledge, apohanam, also the loss. So that I can remember is also because of grace of God. That I can understand or know, also because of grace of God. And that I forget also is because of God. When punya karma is there, when my virtuous actions fructified and there is memory, remembrance and knowledge, when papa karma or the vicious actions fructified and there is forgetfulness, I can't think of, can't remember. So Lord Krishna is according to virtue and the wise, I am the one that gives them the knowledge, the memory and the forgetfulness. Or somebody explains, that the three states of waking, dream and deep sleep state. Apohanam, forgetting everything, stands for the deep sleep state. 
Jnanam, the knowledge, is the waking state. Smruti memory, that's the dream state, because the dream, there's no new knowledge from the memory alone, the dream takes place. So Smruti stands for the dream. Jnanam stands for the waking. And Apohanam, forgetting everything, stands for the deep sleep state. Lord Krishna says, all that also is because of me. Vedaishtasarvaihi ahameva vedyaha. And again, ahameva, it's I alone who is to be known, object to be known through all the Vedas. Sarvaihi vedaihi, through all the Vedas, ahameva vedyaha. I am the subject matter of all the Vedas. All the Vedas do nothing but expound me. All the Vedas, nothing but declare, I mean, you know, the subject matter of the Vedas is I. So I form the very subject matter of all the Vedas. But Lord, in the Vedas we, dis- we find so many Devatas being described. In the Upanishad you are the subject matter, all right. But in the Karmakanda we, don't, we find so many Devatas, Agni and Indra and so forth. So yes, Indram, Mitram, Varanam, Agni, Mahuhu. There is a very famous verse in the Rigveda. Atho Devyasya Suparano Garutman Ekam Sad Vipra Bahuravadanti Agnim Yamamatarishvanamanamahuhu This, some of you may have heard this. Ekam Sad Vipraha Bahudavadanti Ekam Sad, Sad is one, God is one. Vipraha Bahudavadanti The learned people talk to him, talk about him many ways, with many names. He is called Indra. He is called Mitra, he is called Varuna, he is called Agni, he is called Suparanaha, Garutman, meaning the, the eagle, Garuda. He is sometimes called Yama, Matarishwa. All of these are the names, different names of the same Lord. That is, even in the Karmakanda portion also, when so many Devatas are mentioned, all of them are nothing but the manifestation of the same Lord. I say, Lord Krishna says, I am the self of all the gods who are worshipped. And therefore, I am the only subject matter of all the scriptures. Not only Vedas, all the scriptures of the world. Not only all the scriptures, all the books of knowledge. So you, where is God in physics? Physicists are declaring, you know, there is no God. But then, whatever word they use, they can use the word energy. Whatever word it is that they want to use for what they call truth. A unified field, whatever it is that they use. But even when a scientist, whether a physicist or a chemist, or whoever it is, whenever he is doing, is, he is searching for something, whenever he is investigating, what he wants to investigate is that which can explain everything. Ultimately, everybody wants to find that law, that equation, or that molecule, or that something, by which the whole universe can be explained. In short, every scientist also is searching for the truth. And that search can be over only when this truth, truth is known this way. But anyway, whatever the science also declares something with the glories of the Lord. So astronomy declares the glories of the Lord, and the physics also declares the glories of the Lord, and the biology, every science declares nothing but the glories of the same Lord. Same principle. And therefore, every scripture, every book of knowledge, everything, and only I am the subject matter. Because I alone am, there is nothing other than me. Vedaihi Saravahi. Here, Arjuna, I am the one that is to be known through all the Vedas. Not only that, Vedanta Krut, Veda Videva Chaham. Vedanta Krut and Veda Vid. I am the Vedanta Krut. Vedanta Sampradaya Krut. Either Vedanta Krut means the one who is the revealer of the Vedanta, or Vedanta Sampradaya Krut means the one. Who is the teacher of Vedanta? Sampradaya means the teaching, the tradition. I am the Vedanta Sampradaya Krut. As a very the teacher, I alone manifest and I impart the knowledge of the Vedas. Veda Videvacham, as the knower of the Veda also I am. See, this is a very interesting thing. Lord Krishna says, I am the subject matter of all the Vedas. The teacher who unfolds the Vedas also I am. And the disciple who knows the Veda also that I am. So as teacher, Vedanta Krut, I am the one that imparts the knowledge of the Vedanta. But knowledge is imparted of whom? I am the one that is subject matter of all the Veda and Vedanta, and therefore my knowledge is imparted by me to me. Because Veda Ved, the one who is a knower, the student who knows the Veda, that also I am. Declaring therefore that I am the self of all. 
It is because of me that all the activities take place. And without me, there would be nothing. Whatever it is, nothing but myself. So in these four beautiful verses, Lord Krishna here declared, revealed his glories, saying how he is, how we can meditate upon him, how can we can see him, how he is everything, how he is the self of all, how because of him all activities are possible, and how therefore he is all pervasive. So this is what we call Tatpada. In the Mahavakya Tatvamasi, Tatpada Tat stands for Ishvara. So these four verses described Ishvara. Tvam is the Jiva. The earlier six verses, Mamaivam, Jiva, Loki, all of those verses describe, those verses describe the Tvam or the Jiva. These four verses describe Tat or Ishvara. And the subsequent verses now will describe the oneness or identity between the Jiva and Ishvara. Thus we find that in such a short chapter, Lord Krishna very beautiful and force is Mahavakya Tattvamasi. We will see that tomorrow. Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashashyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Vadarayanam Sutra Bhashya Krutavande Bhagavanta Punapunaha Pishwara Guru Ratmedi Murti Veda Vibhagine Vyoma Vadyakta Dehaya Dakshina Murtaye Namaha Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Sri Guru Vyodana Hari Om